You're listening to Music You're Missing. I'm Brendan Gennetti, and today we are speaking to Hunter Hayes. I am personally so excited for this because I've been listening to this man since I was 15 years old. I remember it so vividly. My freshman year crush really liked Hunter Hayes. So I started listening to him to impress her. And in classic fashion, it did not work out, but at least I got exposed to such a talented artist. And, you know, fast forward five Grammy nominations, CMA awards, BMI awards, and a Guinness world record and numerous worldwide tours later. Uh, Hunter is continuing to evolve and he's about to head out on one of the most unique things he's ever done. It's his first ever solo tour, the Flying Solo Tour. This tour is coming shortly after the release of his first independent album, Red Sky, which also has an extended version called Red Sky Continued. The album is super cohesive, but it really does touch on various different styles. And let me just tell you, in addition to his classic heartbreaking lyrics, he has really got some groovy tracks on Red Sky. And if you head over to the Music You're Missing Spotify playlist now, you will find my favorite tracks from Red Sky streaming at the top. While you're checking the playlist out, it'd be great if you could rate the Music You're Missing podcast five stars wherever you're listening. I know it's super corny to ask, but listen, the more five-star ratings we get, the higher likelihood we get playlisted, which in turn means even more exposure for these deserving artists. And one final thing before I get Hunter on the line, if you want to keep up to date with the Music You're Missing happenings, including new episodes, playlist ads, giveaways, and concerts, follow us on Instagram at Music You're Missing. And now I am so excited to welcome Hunter Hayes on the Music You're Missing podcast. We are joined with Hunter Hayes. How's it going, Hunter? It's going great. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, I'm extra well right now because I knew I was talking to you today, but it's it's really special because you're in the tour bus right now. You're on tour with us. Welcome. I... Welcome to my uh, my office is what we call this. Yeah. Are, are you in the process to head to Boston? Are you in Boston? We're in the process, yeah. Um, we kind of, this is... Every now and then things work out for the better. Uh, we knew it was going to be a long drive from Nashville to Boston. Um, and we just, so we decided to split it up and I think it worked out great because the team and I have worked really long hours to build this show to build this tour. Cause there's just a lot of things I've never done. We've never done, we've never experimented with. Um, so it was like 12, 14 hour days, like four days in a row, um, for everybody. And so I think everyone needed a little bit of a break before we jump into the first show. So we're all just kind of taking a breath, getting some fresh air and uh, buying winter coats because I don't think any of us are prepared for what we're about to experience. No, no, it is freezing here. And I, I, I do want to talk to you about the Flying Solo Tour because I think it is just such a unique and just really cool thing. And I'm honestly honored you're kicking it off in Boston. Um, can you like tell me what exactly it is and why you chose to fly solo? It starts with last year, two years ago, last year, last year, uh, one of the first shows I did coming out of the covid lockdown um was just me and an acoustic guitar in a room with people with strangers people i'd never met people had never heard my music and i didn't think it would go as well as it did for no other reason than just like it's just me and acoustic guitar i'm telling stories and it became just one of my favorite experiences in the world it was so fun it was so um encouraging it was so enlightening i learned so much from it as a performer even though i've been you know i went so it, I walked off that stage and I was pleasantly surprised by how it, how it felt. And I remember just talking to my, my, my team and just saying, I want to do more of that. And I've been wanting to do a, a sort of a secondary tour, you know, in the years, it was something we talked about. I wanted to do a secondary tour. I love playing with the band and 
you know, there's, there's so many moments that I've had in like the bluebird or like in a writer's round or like other things where I've been challenged by the unknown. And I've loved those moments because I think that that is the spirit of making music. I think so much of what I love about music is space. Let's fill it with music. Let's fill it with lyrics. And so, um, you know, this started technically over 12 years ago when I did my first radio tour, I would bring around a mini studio and I would build a song in front of them just for fun. And then that evolved into a thing that we try to do and uh, try to do. We built something in 2015. We never took on the road. Um, it was very complex. It required a lot of prep work. Uh, for every song that I played, it required like seven days of rehearsals. Um, and then that evolved. And then in 2020, we were going to bring this thing on the road called The Lab. And we never got to bring it on the road. And so the more I sat with it, the more I lived with it, the more I realized that um, I could build a show that was completely improv, that had the spirit of making music, not playing music, but making music in front of people, with people, with audiences, at the same time as having a, a human connection moment with them. Um, you know, whatever the vibe of the room is, if it's a really attentive listening audience, we'll we'll do some deep cuts. If it's a loud, rambunctious, fun night, we'll, we'll, there's a bunch of high energy stuff that I can do, but it's a combination of like singer songwriter, acoustic storytelling and really nerdy music guide. I brought my living room on four. <laughs> and so, which is a studio. And so like, I'm making stuff on, on the spot on stage. We're starting from scratch every night and every set list is going to be drastically different. That's so wild. During rehearsals, have you found it to be challenging or does it just come natural to you? Um, well, I mean, it's, a, yeah, yes, yes, all of it. <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> there's been challenges because as much as you run through these things, as much as you rehearse, I don't think you can fully rehearse for something like this because the goal is for it to feel is, and be um, very improv friendly. Yeah. The, the arrangements can change. Uh, there's a whole section. I made three set lists. I've got a bank of songs that I'm working from uh, rather than a set list. And, um, and there's a whole section where it says, depending on what you played on the last song, switch instruments and play this song on the next instrument in the circle. And so it's a lot of that. It's a lot of um, just, again, creation, right? Like I know the song, like, you know, I'll, I'll find a song in the bank of songs and, and I'll pick an instrument. And I know the song and it has structure at the same time what I can do with it is very limitless. The challenges became how do we make something that's improv friendly? Because most of the time when we introduce this much stuff, it's prep. It's okay. This is going to happen at this time. And this is going to happen at this time because that's the only way that one person can manage all of that. But the more we sat and developed and I worked with an incredible team of some of my favorite people that I've worked with over the past like 15 years, we created something that again, feels like my living room functions a bit quicker and a bit more efficiently than me in my living room, making music for 18 hours. Um, and, and it, so the challenges were mostly technical. How do we do this thing? There was a, a couple of just crazy things. Like one of the things we found a way to, to run my guitar signal through a drum machine so that I could play drums while playing guitar Stuff like that we had to figure out and we had to experiment and try and, and yeah, and just trial and error. Um, but where we got to was the place where I've got a bunch of really fun toys and I just get to make music. Man, it's one thing to see like your favorite artists in in performance or in concert, but I feel like you're allowing your fans to actually see you be an artist, which I think is a, a really cool, like intimate experience. Man, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, it's just it's a completely new territory. And I think that, 
that's kind of the spirit I'm leading with is not like, I don't want to come in with something too over prepared. And I mean, I want to be prepared, but I don't want to be like over prepared <laughs> yeah, where we're like just going to repeat. Line. Yeah. Re- rinse and repeat. Right. And, um, and I do want the audience to see the mess ups. And in fact, we have this, we have the secret mic on stage always called the talk back mic. And that's how we communicate with each other when things go wrong during the show. And, you know, I realized if things go wrong, there's no way to hide. <laughs> There's nowhere to go. There's no musical interlude to play. I can't let someone take a solo. Um, so it's the talkback is now just a telephone on stage that the audience can actually hear. And so <laughs> anytime anything goes wrong, I just want everybody, I want to break the fourth wall. I want people to see yeah. the process. You know, I want people to feel the, um, yeah, just the, the electricity of, of what it's like when, uh, when you yeah go on a, a musical adventure. I love that. And just as a reminder for our listeners at home, I know you dropped Red Sky in April. You toured the album. You released an extended version called Red Sky Continued and then announced two additional legs of tour. Um, so you've definitely been busy just a little bit. Uh, when did the idea come to you to even extend the Red Sky era? Is that something you knew before going into it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm constantly... I love making... We write a lot of music. I write a lot of music and make a lot of music for these albums. and um, I feel like we're constantly... Um, trying to figure out how to not be limited by the general sort of like 12 songs, 15 songs per album. And there's always stuff that doesn't make it, but should. And my relationship with this is, is very different than other people's relationship with, with certain songs. Right. Like in, in some ways, chasing California has been around for a while. And yet when people hear it, it feels like a new part of this chapter that I've entered, you know, that we've, we've, we've started together. So things like that, that you realize, Oh, I probably should put this on the album, even though I've been hearing it for five years and I'm, like, you know, I've fallen out of love with it. You go back, you play it for one person, one fan, and they're like, oh my God, you have to put this out. And it sort of makes you relook at it and rethink about it. And so you start from scratch and you, you reestablish a new relationship with it. And, um, and so like stuff like that happens all the time. And I'm always looking for ways to, to, to put more stuff out. And yeah, just like we knew that the Red Sky tour in, in the spring was way, way over the top better than I think we had all even hoped and dreamed. So that was pretty obvious that we wanted to extend that. And yeah. I was really grateful for the fact that after going away for a while and, um, and you know, people, people showed up and a lot of people showed up 10 years in, right? Like a lot of people came in to meet and greet, like, you know, the last time I met you was in 2011. <laughs> it's, it's wild to sort of have that and feel that. And so that was really energizing and life giving. And, um, yeah, it just gave me so much joy and gratitude to sort of like carry me through, um, yeah, just continuing the album and continuing another leg of that tour. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was listening to a podcast, I forget what it was, but you had mentioned that you were kind of like anxious hitting, hitting the stage again after COVID, which I mean, makes sense, yeah. man. Like we were fucking locked up and we barely talked to anyone. Um, so when did that if ever, like, when did that stop? Like, was it the first time you played or did it take some training? Well, it's, 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 it's weird because it's not like, I can't pinpoint one thing. Like, I can't tell you, I felt this. Yeah. It was a lot of things kind of coming at you at the same time. I think honestly, it was just like being, um, you know, the, the having, you know, playing in front of people every night. Cause I'm used to doing like a hundred, 200 shows a year. Damn. Um, and so, having that taken away and you sort of like get like overly sensitized. It's like closing your eyes for three years and seeing the sunlight for the first time. It's a lot to, it's a lot to process. <laughs> and, um, and there's a lot to take in. And so I think for me, it was just like <clears throat> learning, learning how to 
navigate all of it. And, um, and I am naturally nervous when I get on stage too. So there's that portion of it. Um, and yeah, it's just like, and, and this was a different, um, you know, going out as an independent artist is a very different thing too. There's a lot of new elements to that. Um, there's kind of like, you know, yeah, it's just like the, it goes from, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just a different, uh, spirit, I guess, yeah. in a lot of ways. So, so that can be nerve wracking as well. So yeah, it was just like, kind of like, you know, what is it going to be like to return? Honestly, just with so much time away. And the first night in San Diego was just could not have gone any better. I learned a lot about myself and my health, I think in one day, um, just because I, I hadn't sang and I, I'd sang, I'd played some shows, but um, playing a two hour show was a, a new thing that I was getting back into. Um, and it was really nice because I think there was a lot of stuff that I thought was just kind of gone. Like I, you know, wrote a lot of the stuff on, on my debut album when I was like 15, 16. So singing some of those things is more challenging when you're 32. Yeah. But, um, but there were a lot of things that just like came back, you know, and, and, um, a lot of ceilings I thought, you know, physically I thought I, I had were just kind of non-existent and everything just kept improving and feeling better. And I was feeling more comfortable and, and yeah, it was just kind of a, a tour full of, um, breakthrough moments mentally physically emotionally well i love to hear that and i feel like that kind of sentiment at least from from my listening kind of resonates throughout the whole red sky red sky continued album like it seems like glimpses of you know your former um music but also this kind of like evolved more mature sound and also i want to add groovy as hell there are some really groovy tracks man like sober is one of my favorites um there's a, a particular track i want to talk to you about though uh the one that got away I'm a lyrics guy through and through. And the phrase, the one that got away, it's typically associated with like loss um, and like negative. Mm -hmm. But this song is Mm -hmm. portrayed in a positive light from the perspective of the one who actually left. Um, I'm kind of curious what inspired the track and when did you know you wanted to play with the phrase, the one that got away? Well, exactly what you just said, right? Like how many times have we said it in a, in a negative way of man, I lost this person lost this opportunity, lost this thing. It's always associated with loss. And I think sometimes uh, in some cases, when you, um, when you lose something familiar, uh, it's important to put it in perspective because I think it's easy to say like, man, that relationship didn't work out. What a bummer. I'm so sad about it. And it's hard to flip the script and say, man, that relationship didn't work out boy, am I glad it didn't work out, man. I, I think I'm, I'm lucky. And, okay. um, and rather than feeling bad about it, um, I'm, I'm going to remember that I have value because I hear a lot of people talk about lost opportunity in such a negative way. And it's like, that is not a negative thing. Mm-hmm. That is the door to your next chapter. And the moment you start seeing that, the moment you can start running into your next chapter. And I wanted one that got away to feel like that. For sure. And um, another thing too, from like one man to another, whenever there is, you know, a guy talking about their experiences with uh, a past relationship, I feel like it's always like, oh, I miss her. Like, I miss them so much. It's nice to be like, nah, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm done with that. I've, I've come out on the better side. And um, I know I've resonated with that. I was scrolling through TikTok the other day and I saw one of my ex-flings post a TikTok with their uh, new significant other. And I was like, I could never be doing that. That's so not me. I'm happy for them. I've, I've moved on. Um, so thank you for the anthem. 
that is a wake up moment, isn't it? When you look at it and you're like, oh, that that's where could have been you came from. Yeah. It's one of those like, that could have been me. And I don't <laughs> think that that should have been me. I'm not meant to be doing TikTok dances right now. Oh, yeah. that's funny. Um, you, you mentioned Red Sky kind of marking your transition into being an independent artist. Um, but not only that, it's like your return from COVID. Um, and I know previously, I think I heard on New York Live that you mentioned why you still had like creative freedom. You did have to like sit on committees to make decisions about the album where Red Sky now you're you're like the sole stakeholder um, with Red Sky being the first experience with this creative freedom. I'm kind of curious, did the decision-making come easy to you, especially when you were conditioned, you know, to kind of rely on others? Like, were you able to be really clear and concise and stick to your guts? Yes. Yes. And no, both, uh, not to be that guy again, but, um, <laughs> hey. I love, I look up to a lot of bands because there is something beautiful about, you know, a group of people making decisions together. I don't believe in, I don't, I don't think it's healthy to sit here and I, I don't want the career or the life or the relationship with my team or anyone to say, this is what I'm, you know, my way of the highway. Uh, there are times that I have learned where I, I, I give myself less credit than I think I should. And in, in purely in the, I'm, I'm standing up, trusting my gut. I'm not saying this is the perfect thing to do i'm saying i feel like this is the right thing to do you guys got to trust me and when it fails you know you point it at me it's fine yeah. um and and when it works hopefully this will build trust for me and myself in addition to the people around me etc i believe in having and surrounding myself with people who are willing to like to say man i i i, re- I totally hear you and i, I kind of still disagree and it just comes down to who who cares more and you know what I mean? Or like, it just, I think it, it allows for a healthier way of making decisions. And at the same time, it's art. There is no right or wrong technically, yeah. you know? Um, I think there's right things to say, wrong things to say, but when it comes to, you know, what songs make it to the album, what songs don't, um, I think I'm learning how to trust myself in certain areas that I should yeah. as, as just not just like as an artist, but just as me, because um, every artist is different, and I'm learning my version of being an artist, and I'm I'm learning certain things that I, you know, maybe jumped in and micromanaged that I need to just kind of step away <laughs> from and trust other people and and know that I'm surrounded by really fucking awesome, smart people, caring, compassionate, kind, and uh, and capable people, and so it's it's both. It was it was kind of like learning a lot and also just like you know being in conversations and i was never you know necessarily in but i enjoy it i enjoy the the freedom and the hey let's try this thing you know this i've done this for 10 years and you know the environment is changing so maybe we do this now and this this accomplishes the goal and 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 does it in a different way that's maybe more efficient, let's do it. And we do it, you know, as opposed to, well, it's been done this way for 10 years. Let's continue to do it. You know, Um, that part was really, it has been really enlightening and really fun too. So I'm really, really grateful for that. Um, The fact that I can, you know, that we can all come to the table and say, Hey, has anyone questioned why we're still doing this thing (laughs) this way? Or 
or does it even matter? You know, I mean, perhaps it's the, you know, this upcoming solo tour, but is there something where you kind of said like, what the hell, let's, let's have a little gamble, uh, during this red sky, red sky continued pro- practice or, uh, project rather. Well, I think the solo tour is less of a gamble and more of a, uh, a long time coming, uh. you know? Um, it's like, it's like that vacation you've been planning for years and you just <laughs> never gave yourself the time off to do it. Um, that's what this feels like. It feels like I'm on a vacation with my best friends. I'll let you know how it feels after the first show. <laughs> that's how it, that's how there. it feels. That's how it feels. So I, I wouldn't, I, I don't know that I would call it a gamble. I think it was more like there was a couple of creative things like, um, you know, we kept, um, we kept wondering about music videos because there's so much work that goes into music videos that's i think this is a great example um a small example but something that i feel like is worth sharing for you know anybody out there creative or anybody who 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 can relate to this that we you know there was this systematic approach to to music videos and and i was putting out a lot of music from red sky before the album came out it was the most music i put out from an album before an album got released um it made it way more fun that i think was a a bit of a gamble Mm -hmm. Because, you know, there's the traditional model and there's a lot of evidence. There's a lot of, you know, data and stuff for putting, you know, three, four songs out and then putting out the album. And we just noticed that we don't necessarily need to play that strategy. Um, Why not let every moment have its day the way that you would the first three songs? Um, And we really enjoyed that we learned a lot from that and we got a lot out of that. And we, I felt like that was a just overall better way for me to release at least this album and those songs at that time. Yeah. And uh, with that, you know, we, it, that meant we were going to be making a lot of music videos and making music videos is a long and very, um, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of work for a lot of people. And we just kept returning back to the same process. And so we finally had this conversation and we decided that we had, you know, a handful of songs, five, six songs. Um, we had two songs. We knew what we wanted to do and we found a location. We built a awesome little small creative team of people. And we went out to this location with a handful of songs. We got the first two songs like videoed on the first day, which I've never done two music videos in one day. I've done a lot of music videos in two and three days, but we did two music videos in one day. And then the next day, we improved the next three music videos. In one and it day? was just like, we, yeah, well, in a day and a half. Yeah. Um, because we lost light quick because of where we were, uh, which we didn't realize. And it also got really fucking cold. <laughs> so, um, we learned that the hard way. But, but yeah, we, you know, we knew we, we had an idea. We had some songs, we had some stuff, but we, it was a very open space where we just sat at a dinner table the night before. And we were just like, well, man, you know, this, this area of that location really made me feel like this. And I honestly feel like there's a message in like walking through this area and feeling this and seeing this imagery, especially coming out of this other music video where that sort of like lends the story to like continue into. And so it was just a really fun conversation that led to, yeah, two days of improving music videos. And it was just like, it was that kind of stuff that I really thoroughly enjoyed on this process. That's so cool. I mean, I, a lot of our listeners are artists or independent artists themselves. So I know that that's something they, they will resonate and, and learn from to just kind of experiment and do things like you haven't done before. I really think improv is, is like the next wave of like, you know, uh, 
it, it's no longer like, oh, we have a small budget, we have a small team, let's just go make something happen. I think that's becoming a more valuable currency than a well-planned, massive production product because because you see more of the people doing it. Mm-hmm. You see more of their personality. You see more of the things that they love, the things that excite them. If it's fun, you make something that feels fun, even if it's a sad song. People can feel the way you felt making it. And I just think that that's, at least in my small experience with it and with everything that I've seen, it's it's way less, well, you know, well, we, we have to do it this way because of the budget. It's more like, now this is a way better way to do it. We're going to feel way more of the artist and the intention behind the music and, and the art yeah. in general. I, I just think it's invaluable. I used to be a country radio DJ way back in the day, um, which was just a really funny era for me, but you know, you're the guest here, not me. Um, but anyways, during my time there, it was obvious that like Hunter Hayes had super fans and they were no stranger to calling into the radio. So I went out to my DMs and I reached out to some of your, your biggest super fans and I asked them if they had any questions they wanted to ask you. Um, so Hunter, would you mind if I, if I relayed some of the questions from them? I think this is brilliant. I love this. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Uh, what part of the flying solo tour are you most excited about? And what process are you most nervous about since you've never done a tour like this before? And this is from Riley. Riley? Yeah. Um, well, um, the part I'm most nervous about is honestly just, I'll get that out of the way first, um, everything working. There's a lot of technical things that have to work and speak the same languages um, for me to be able to do what I do and feel comfortable on stage. I've got an incredible team of people and I have all the faith and confidence in them. Technology is, is probably, it, it, some pieces of technology uh, that we're working with are infinitely less dependable than, than, than we are, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. And it's just like troubleshooting has, is, is quite complex in this setup. And at the same time, we designed every single new element that we added. Um, there was just kind of this challenge of like, how do we make it work? How do we make troubleshooting easy? And how do we make a show without it? Because at some point, the, 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 ironically, using some of the pilot sort of lingo, pilot student, pilot lingo, you know, um, essentially, like, you have to be prepared for everything to fail at some point. Yeah. Because, you know, if, it's a, if, if it can fail, it will at some point, and you have to be prepared for it. You can't just cross your fingers and hope the best. And so there's a lot of that prep. Um, and at the same time, like, if any of those pieces go down, I can still play a show without it. And that's kind of the, the, the freedom in it. So that's the, that's the only scary part. But um, the thing I'm most excited about is just doing it for the first time because it's just, it's, it, it really is just like, uh, it was so weird not to like rehearse every song 18 times like we normally do. And at the same time, we built a stage that's, that's just like there for in the moment music making. And it allows me to think that way. I love thinking that way and being in that being present and just like, how do I want the song to sound? What, what sounds do we want to bring in and how do we want to arrange it? And, and do we want to loop it or do we not, et cetera. Um, so I'm just excited for people to, to feel that joy that I feel when I'm just making stuff. Yeah. 
wow, man, I'm really excited for you. <laughs> I'm like really like the way that you're talking about it. Um, I'm just really happy that you're able to even experience such a thing. Um, okay. But yeah, man, me too. Andrea has a question for you and it is, what is your favorite Taylor Swift song? Yeah. <laughs> um, the one, uh, the first time I heard that when that album dropped, especially at that time, it was just such a beautiful f- breath of fresh air. And I was so grateful for that whole project because, um, you know, I think we look to really established and massive artists for kind of this, like, Hey, is it cool if we like totally turn the page and all of us just start making like really, you know, introspective acoustic music for a hot minute because it's, it's a lockdown and we're all alone, you know? Um, and so I think creatively it was, it was like just such a breath of fresh air and so beautiful and, and a nice, like, reset for sure i felt the same way i remember i was um i was away at martha's vineyard when it came out and i woke up at like five in the morning for some reason and i went on a walk what a sentence by the way (laughs) yeah i was away in martha's vineyard (laughs) i was sipping on my third glass of chardonnay no it was realistically i was hungover (laughs) and i couldn't sleep so i went for a walk and i listened to it and it it changed my life for sure um that's amazing uh, okay, nice. Christina wants to know, what is your favorite song from Red Sky to play live? I really like playing about a boy. My favorite song from Red Sky is Wallflower. Mm. And I love playing that song. I think I'm going to love playing that song on this tour probably more than any other songs on Red Sky. So I'll, I might change my answer um, because this version of Wallflower is way more just like here are the words that I wrote. <laughs> Here's what yeah. I'm saying. Um, so yeah, uh, about a boy or a wallflower yeah. and high tides, a blast to play with a band. It's there's nothing quite as fun as that song and victory. Victory kind of feels like <laughs> a really big crowd moment every night. So I don't know. Yeah. Oh, that song needs to be in an NFL commercial, by the way. Uh, I Thank you. To it. It, that's exactly what I, I hear when I listen to that. I also love the lyrics. Of I that appreciate track. that. Sure. I would love that. We'll, we'll get it synced. Um, okay. Go sports. Last, last question. I actually, this is for me. Um, <laughs> how discreet did nice. you have to be during the filming of The Masked Singer? <laughs> Very. Uh, I left the house. Well, yeah, they'd pick you up every day. And I left the house in full, like the visor, the hoodie, the gloves, no like way. the whole thing. Wait, they absolutely pick you up from the house every day. Yeah, I was, I had, I kind of, I was able to, um, accomplish a lot of tasks in one sort of long trip to do that. <clears throat> so I was in, cause I was in secret. So I took the same, um, when I was finishing high school, I took this accelerated course and, and essentially took one course as my senior year over the course of two months. And wow. it would start at seven and it would end at 11. So I was done by the time I would normally be waking up because I work late. I like working at night. And so um, every day I would get home at like 1130 and I would just start my normal music making day. So I kind of took the same approach in the scheduling for that show. And so I would secretly disappear at a time when no one would expect me to be awake anyway. And then I would come back to this house that I found and I wanted to write and record at this really cool like spot. Um, so yeah, they would, <clears throat> I would pick you up in this, like, on you know, this car and, and uh, the driver doesn't know your name. They call you. They call you their own. Like they develop a code <laughs> no language way. for you. Yeah. Like um, very few people uh, know 
no one knows who you are when you're on set. Like there's like three people you can talk to and their shirts literally say, talk to me That's and wild. everyone else's and everyone else's shirts or badges or hoodies say, don't talk to me. And <laughs> if you're in a room, it's like this code when you're in a room and there are four people, if one of them has a shirt that says, don't talk to me, you have to keep your visor on your gloves on. Like you can't wear any part of your, like, it's just, yeah, normal clothing. Like you have to be, it's wild. That's yeah. so funny. That I, I'm, <laughs> I didn't realize it would be that intense, but it makes so much sense. I mean, it's a national TV show. Yeah, it was absolutely wild. Um, and yeah, I definitely couldn't tell any friends or, you know, tell anybody why I was there. The only people who ended up finding out were my parents because they came to visit me and I invited them to the, to the taping, which turned out to be my last show <laughs> with them. So it was perfect timing, though. Well, it was perfect timing. They yeah. got to see it, experience it with me and... Um, and then, yeah, then I just kept working on the project. That's so funny, man. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. okay. So th- those are all the fan questions and I know you're still writing, you know, the red sky high, but I'm curious, are you, are you writing these days? A little bit. I've started the next project. I, I try to stay like two projects ahead. Okay. So, um, just not just because I like having space. Like I like writing without any sort of like. I have to write about this or this project has to be this. I like writing and just seeing what happens and then letting that sort of like grow in the garden, in the greenhouse, you know? And, um, yeah. And then going back to the the greenhouse to see what, what's happened a couple months later and start working on the production and say, okay, I think this is the message of the album. I think this is the spirit. So, and I love conceptual things, but every time I try to do something like super intentional, I always just get, you know, it gets swept away by reality and, and, um, and that stuff's better anyway. So, yeah. Has there anything that's been particularly inspiring you lately? Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff that came out of like, um, the self work, you know, Mm -hmm. the therapy type stuff and all the things I've learned from that. Um, I don't want to say too, too much, but I really do feel like this project is inspired by um, me wanting to create more of the world that I want to live in rather than sort of react to it or respond to it Whoa, um, or like talk that. about it. Yeah. It's a, I mean, I don't, it's, it's I like, I had two days without electricity in like a March or April and it was like the two, best days of my year because i didn't yeah i like didn't get on anything i i focused on i had space and so i focused on what i want to be what i want to create how i how i what i want to put in the world um and i was like wow i should be doing this intentionally Mm -hmm. and so it led to a very you know a series of small changes and a series of, of some drastic changes that um yeah, and so this project is kind of like um, a, a ex- experiment in manifestation. <laughs> Not to Whoa. be that weird about it, but no, like, no, no, yeah, no. it's like a you're speaking my language. A There's a couple songs that I've already written about things that don't haven't happened or don't exist, but they're 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 dreams. And it's like, well, if I if I write about it, maybe it'll happen. So yeah. Are you a yogi, like a yoga guy? No. All right. No. <laughs> ah, yeah, sorry. No. It just it was it, it uh it. <laughs> was it was giving very much so yoga guy but i'm i'm very much so um eager to hear that because i think that's listen like, man give me the next three months after this tour a lot can change a lot can happen 
That, that's my yeah. intentional, like, no electricity time. Um, <laughs> but anyway. I respect the shit out of that. Dude, I literally, so it's, I'm like a superhuman when I actually do it because it goes ebbs and flows just like everything in fucking life. But now I'm at a part where I, like, I do it every single day and everything I do because of it is so much better. And then when I don't do it for an extended period of time, I'm a shell of a man. So we're working that's on That's super inspiring, man. Yeah. Good for you. Thanks for sharing that. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's incredible. I, like, that's, that encourages me to try it more. Give it a whirl. For sure. And yeah, yeah. We, we do some weird stuff here. Sensory deprivation tanks, you name it. <laughs> Big fan of sensory deprivation oh. tanks. Yeah, man. How like do you do them often? Yeah. No, I mean it depends. When I'm off tour, it's a little bit easier to find. Yeah. True. Um than when we're in, you know, random random cities that uh but yeah, I mean I'm a big big fan of a sensory deprivation tank i feel you like the things that come out of my mind are like so amazing and then i always take it and run with it and create something even better so yeah all right hunter hayes i could talk to you all day but i like to wrap up every interview with this question what is a goal that you have completely (laughs) unrelated to music or your career that you would like to accomplish in the near future my fans are not going to be surprised by any of this um I've been wanting to get my pilot's license for years. I've been a student pilot off and on for, for like close to 10 years. Um, I think it, it uh, the more I get into it, the more I realize how much focus it requires. And I'm, I'm getting better about that. I'm learning to be more disciplined about that. And at the same time, the, the times that I've done it were when I was kind of burnt out mm-hmm. on music. And so it would give me life. And as soon as it would give me life, I would run back to music to go keep working and finish. Um, and so... I've, I've constantly sort of entered at, at moments where it was kind of, um, I wasn't so focused on getting my license. I was just focused on getting hours and learning and, uh, and the educational process. I'm looking forward to making time for it, uh, because it's something that I want every time I walk away from it too. Um, it's completely different part of my brain where we talked about music doesn't have a right or wrong piloting is a very, there's a lot of systems and checks and structure. And I think it's actually given me structure in my normal life and my, you know, music life, um, or at least in my business, whatever. But I've been thoroughly looking forward to getting my license at some point in the next, you know, two years. I just by me hesitating, I know that I won't make time for it in the next six months, but in the next year, I think that's something I want to accomplish. Hell yeah. That's so exciting. I, I wish the best for you. And I, I hope in two years when we chat next, when you're in Boston for the flying solo part three, whatever we're at at that point, you'll be flying here on your own. You won't be taking a bus. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs>